Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here at Cause Pods, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes. Whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who's just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, state, country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guests' favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Excited to bring on a good friend here on Cause Pods today. We are chatting with my buddy, Illiquity. She is the host of the Travel Gluten-Free Podcast. You can learn more about it at TravelGlutenFreePodcast.com. And the aim here, which she will go into, is to help those who are dealing with celiac disease and other folks who are trying to have a gluten-free lifestyle, how to maintain that diet, how to maintain this important lifestyle when you are out and about. It's easy to do from home, but once you get out of the door, not everybody really knows or respects or understands what you mean. So Illiquity has done a fantastic job of building not just a podcast, but a whole community of helping folks go out there and eat the way they need to eat. Illiquity, it is such a pleasure to bring you on to CausePods today. Hey, Matthew. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be on your show. Oh, well, I am excited to have you. I'm glad we're finally doing this. So we met a couple of years ago at a podcasting event, and you started to tell me why all this came about. So why don't you go back a little bit and not just you know the podcast itself, but why the whole gluten-free and in particular the traveling aspect of it came about as an important piece of your life. Yeah, so I will give you the kind of the short of it. So what happened was that I realized that I wasn't able to eat gluten after doing an elimination diet. And then shortly after that, found out my younger daughter, I have two daughters, my younger daughter had celiac disease. And how we found out was that her knee was bothering her really badly. We couldn't figure out what was wrong. We did all this testing and finally found out that her knee was bothering her because she had secondary arthritis from celiac disease. So celiac disease was the main autoimmune component. And then celiac disease also carries with it sometimes secondary autoimmune components and hers was arthritis. So she is now completely gluten-free, which is great. And she's doing really well. And so I'm completely gluten-free for four years. And one of the things I really love to do is travel. And of course, like you said, at home, it's really easy to avoid gluten because you're making it in your own kitchen. But when you go out, there are so many variables that can affect... um, if you get gluten in your food. And what I I realized was is that traveling with celiac disease is is really hard because you don't know the food that's out there. You may not know the town that you're in. Um, Big cities are definitely easier to find clean food than smaller cities, but you really don't know where you're going to be able to eat next. So I actually ran into a woman that in one of the consumer expos I go to, and she said she hasn't traveled for five years because she doesn't know how to travel with celiac disease. And it's like, yeah, celiac disease stinks. And sometimes it's really challenging, but it should definitely not lead your life for sure. And there are ways around it. And that's what I give my listeners. I give them lots of tools and tips and how-tos on how to lead a gluten-free life. Because when I became gluten-free, there's lots of gluten-free recipes and things like that, but nobody really told you how to be gluten-free. So that's why I started my podcast is to show people how to be gluten-free and more specifically how to be gluten-free when you travel, because you're going to places that you have never been before. And so you don't know the safety of the food. 
And correct me if I'm wrong or tell me you don't want to talk about this, but if I recall correctly too, like you think that there's a longer family history of celiacs in your life and that, you know, have we known more about understanding celiacs and living gluten-free that, you know, things might've been different for you and your family too? Correct. Yeah. So my father was diagnosed with IBS back in the mid nineties and he had had several digestive tract surgeries and looking back because celiacs is part inherited. It's a, celiac, a gene that is turned on by environmental factors for celiacs. So just because you have the gene doesn't mean you're going to get celiacs, but you have to have certain environmental factors to turn it on. And so when my daughter was at her gastroenterologist appointment, the doctor said, has anybody in your family had adenocarcinoma? And that's intestine of the small and cancer. Because when you have celiac disease, it attacks your small intestine. And I'm like, yeah, my father actually passed away from that. And so I believe that he didn't have IBS because IBS is actually one of the most commonly misdiagnosed. Because when you have celiac disease, they will commonly misdiagnose you with IBS. And so I believe he did have celiac disease and we grew up in an Italian family. So we were always eating bread and pasta. And had he known that he had celiac disease, he would have definitely avoided that and would have obviously affected his quality of life and his lifespan because he was only 66 when he passed away. So he was pretty young. I'm so sorry. And and it's terrible to know that there's more that could have been done if we just better understood it, if you know, there's a better sense of what was going on. So I'm sorry that that happened, but I'm glad that you yourself and your daughter are able to you know, live a happy and healthy lifestyle because you know what you're dealing with and you know how to prevent the onset of it. And I also know just from your personal experience and following you that you know, even though you are very careful in what you try and do and you ask the right questions, sometimes people still don't know what you're asking about. People still think, oh, yeah, this is this and this and this. It must be gluten free. And you're like, mm, that's not the same thing. Right. Well, two very common things you get a lot when you eat out is you say, I'm gluten-free. And so they're like, oh, we have all these vegetarian options. It's like, no, no, no. There's wheat and vegetarian. <laughs> I'll still like, eat a steak. <laughs> yeah. I could totally eat a steak. I can't eat that tabbouleh and that's vegetarian. So that's a common thing like you have to specifically tell people. And another thing is a lot of restaurants don't understand when you have celiac disease and if you tell them that. So a common thing that I do is I tell them I have a severe gluten allergy. And when you say allergy, then they're like, oh yeah, okay. So then that kind of clicks. But a lot of people aren't familiar with celiac disease. So saying when you go to a restaurant, you have to tell somebody you have a gluten allergy because a lot of people nowadays are doing the gluten-free diet to see if it improves their health. So they don't know if it's really, or some people just say, oh, gluten-free is healthier. And that's not specifically true. It is for me because I'm celiac and it is for someone who's gluten intolerant or has an allergy. But if you don't have a reaction to gluten, then being gluten-free really doesn't benefit you like from a medical standpoint. So a lot of people, when I tell them I'm gluten-free, I follow up with, I have a gluten allergy, I'm celiac. So they know it's not a choice for me. It's a medical concern that like, if I do get gluten, I'll be sick for three to six days, depending on how much I get and what type of gluten I get in my system. Right. And so, like you said, you wanted to travel a lot. You're, you know, trying to live this lifestyle that is healthier for you, that's important for you and your daughter. So, you know, without getting too into it, like, what are some of your like best basic tips for folks hearing this who are like, oh, yeah, how can I go about, you know, traveling the way I want to travel and still being able to avoid gluten in my life? Yeah. So 
there's definitely some tools you can use to do that for sure. So one tool that I love to use and I use all the time that I travel is the Find Me Gluten-Free app. And Jason Elmore, who I actually interviewed on my episode 10, um, created that. And he was a college student who was celiac and he was tired of going out with his friends and not having food to eat. So he created that app so that you literally can just put in, hey, here's my location. And it shows you all of the restaurants nearby and people who are celiacs and gluten intolerant actually rate the restaurants. So that is my number one tip. My number two tip is you have to be proactive for yourself and ask questions. A lot of celiacs feel guilt because their friends have to come with them to a restaurant that they can eat at. I don't feel guilt for that. And this is the reason why. It's because this is my health and my health is important to me. And I would not ask a friend who had peanut allergies to go to a restaurant that had peanuts like in those big glass jars, right? So if I wouldn't do that to somebody else, why would my good friend want to do that to me? And so if you have friends who complain about you have, they have to go to a restaurant with you, then maybe they should be your friend or maybe do something else besides eat with them. Because I feel like, you know, this is my health and your health is important to you and how you feel every day, of course. And so, um, yeah, definitely be proactive. And if you're going out to eat, like all of my people who I go out to eat with through my business network, I tell them I'm celiacs and I say, hey, I would like to pick the restaurant. And usually they're okay with that. And all the places I pick, they have good food. So gluten-free does not mean it tastes bad. Gluten-free means it just doesn't have gluten in it. There are so many other grains like amaranth and quinoa that are out there and coconut and almond that taste amazing. And people make some really great gluten-free foods at restaurants. So Yeah. All right. So now let's talk about why go the podcast route. I mean, so many podcasts that I think one are successful and two that have an impact on the world are started out. And I, I don't want this to sound mean, but it's it comes out of a selfish cause, right? Like this was important to you. This is what you were dealing with. And so you learned how to travel efficiently and travel gluten free and, and go about enjoying your life and going to all these different places. But so why then did you want to do this as a podcast? Well, Matthew, I'm totally going to own that this is a selfish endeavor (laughs) (laughs) because it totally is. And there's nothing wrong with being selfish. I mean, sometimes you have to be selfish and that's not a bad thing. That means you're just providing for yourself. So interesting story behind this. I don't know if you know Chris Nessie, who does a House of EdTech. Sure. Okay. So we had originally met because I used to teach full-time and we met through a mutual friend, Derek Larson, on Twitter. And we met through an ed tech chat because I used to be in ed tech, uh, educational technology. And I had said, hey, this is my idea. I know you do this ed tech podcast. Would you like to talk about this on your podcast? And he said, sure. And so then he had me on again. And then we built a relationship online. And then I was coming out to Philadelphia to speak at a national teachers conference. And he lives in New Jersey. And I'm like, hey, I'm coming out to the East because I live in Utah. And I'm actually originally from Philadelphia. So I'm like, hey, I'm coming back home. Do you want to hang out? And he's like, sure. So we met up and um, we hung out and we were sitting there with margaritas at like some place on South Street. I can't remember the name of it. (laughs) And I was telling him, hey, I'm thinking about like, I really want to do like talk about how to be gluten-free and how to travel gluten-free. Because if I'm having this issue, I'm sure I'm not the only person. I really want to help people out there who lead the gluten-free lifestyle to not have a lot of stress when they go out to eat and to show them that you can be gluten-free and lead a really fun life and still travel. And I said, and I want to do a blog on it. And he's like, well, why do you want to do a blog? And I'm like, well, I said, because I want to get the word out to a lot of people. And he's like, well, why not do a podcast? And I'm like, 
I didn't think about that because I had actually <laughs> listened to a lot of podcasts. And he goes, well, if you do a podcast, you'll get out to more people because there's less podcasts. There's like 4 million blogs and like, I don't know, 150,000 podcasts. So you'll get some more ears and you'll get a bigger reach of people. And so that just made sense to me. So in November of 2017, when we had that talk, I decided to do the podcast and I launched February 28th the following year because I actually got involved in a competition through Podcast Movement online on Facebook. And it was like you had to have your podcast start to finish done in 28 days. And I had started it and like I think it was like the end of January and launched my podcast February 28th was my trailer episode. Wow. And so do you think that doing this particular content as a podcast is more effective? Like, do you think there's something to the actual audio aspect of it that helps you reach and educate more people than had you gone the blog route or if you did video or something like that? I think, yeah, I think podcasts are definitely a way to go. I actually encourage other people who are looking to get their word out to do podcasts. And this is one of the main reasons why. Well, there's actually two reasons. One is because telling a story in your own voice and them hearing you is a lot more personal than them just reading a blog. And then the second thing is, is that you can have other people on your podcast who can also tell their story. And so if I just wrote a blog, and I do blog on my website, for more information for people. But if I go on and I just read a blog, I kind of just skim through it and look through it and see, you know, what kind of the general purpose or point of it is. But if I'm listening to the podcast, I'm emotionally involved with the people who are on the podcast because I'm actually was sitting there in my car yesterday and I was like talking to the people on the podcast. I'm like, I totally agree with you. Yes. <laughs> so, so you get that emotional connection with your listeners. And with a blog, you can definitely get an emotional connection with writing because I'm a writer full time. But you don't get the same because you're not hearing it in the person's voice. You're not hearing their inflection. You're not hearing their passion. And I think with podcasting, your passion and your voice really comes through. And with a blog, you don't get that. And so I think podcasting is really a great way to go. It's definitely a lot more work than a blog. Blogs are way easier than podcasting. But I feel that podcasting is more effective. And I think that it really gets your passion across and gets to your listeners like, hey, this is what I'm passionate about. This is how I feel about it. This is what's important to me. And I hope that this brings value to you as well. So I think podcasting really gets that across where a blog kind of doesn't do that with when you're just writing a blog. I feel like also, especially given who your demographic is, which is folks who like to travel that, you know, folks who like to travel enjoy podcasts because they can listen so easily while they're traveling. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I actually encourage people in my business network because we have a business network podcast. So I'm like, hey, when you're driving to a business network event, this is how you turn on the podcast. And I did an education moment and showed everybody how to upload and how to subscribe to our business podcast for our network. And that way they can listen to it just on the road because everybody where I live in Utah drives places because you're in the mountains. So you have to drive place to place. Um, you can take public transportation like within a city, but there's not a lot of public transportation from city to city. So there's a lot of car driving here where I live in Utah, for sure. Gotcha. And beyond just, you know, wanting to share this information, this podcast has sort of helped you really like sort of take this brand to the next step. Like this was something you were doing on the side while you were still teaching and, and working. And now this has sort of become your key focus, right? 
Yeah. So I did do it on the side when I was teaching and I would not recommend teaching and trying to build a podcast. (laughs) I can't tell you how many nights I was up till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And just for the record, I do not have small children. So when people ask me, how do you do it all? I'm like, don't tell anybody. My secret is I have no small children. So um, so yeah. So my youngest is 20 and my oldest is 23. So I don't have to take care of little kids. So that's extremely helpful. I was working. I would literally teach 203 7th and 8th graders during the day. And then I would tutor after that because I had a tutoring business. And then I'd come home and then I would get dinner. And then after I ate dinner, I would like literally work on my podcast for three or four hours a night. And it was pretty tough, but I got it done. And I'm, I'm really glad I got that done. Um, I'm putting out episode 62 today. So I'm super excited. And sometimes I'm just like, man, I just want to quit because it's so much work. And then I get a message from somebody on Instagram, like uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got a message from someone on Instagram and they said, I'm so glad I found your podcast. Um, they, she just found out she was recently, I can't remember if it was celiac or gluten intolerant, but she couldn't eat gluten. And she's like, my husband thinks it's silly that I carry food around. And I wonder what food you carry around when you travel specifically because I would like to try those foods when I travel or when I'm like out and about. And I was like, awesome. So I told her I'm going to make this episode just for her. So the episode that I'm doing today is specifically like specific foods I travel with when I go out and travel or I'm out and about and I pack snacks with me as well. So I'm really directly helping people who are out there. And that makes me feel really great. That's awesome. And so when you got started, what were some of the biggest challenges that came to you with podcasting that you had to overcome? And and what are some like pro tips that you would give to somebody else who's in the same boat thinking about starting a podcast to help others out there to, you know, get them over that hump? Uh, hashtag audio editing. Like, let me. T- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I did educational technology, which is teaching teachers how to use ed- technology and education. And I knew so many apps, knew how to do so many things, but like video and audio have never been my thing. And so learning how to edit audio was so grueling. So my suggestion is if you want to start a podcast, before you actually do your podcast interview, grab your kid, grab your husband, grab a boyfriend, grab your sister, brother, whatever, and just do some mock interviews with them and learn how like the mics work, your equipment works, your audio works, like learn all that stuff by just practicing and doing kind of mock interviews. Like say, hey, what's your favorite color? And just ask them silly questions just so you can see how everything works. Because if I had done that before I'd actually done my first interview and I had some audio editing under my belt before I started, my first podcast, which I edited, would not have taken me 11 hours to edit. Ooh, that's a yeah. long time. And of course, I was doing some things wrong, which I didn't know because it was my first editing that I did with an interview because that was my episode four. So my first three episodes, I just did solo and did information. And that was really easy because I didn't really have to edit a lot. But then when I did the interview, that there was a whole nother variable in there. And so I would definitely suggest doing mock interviews. Um Trying some different audio editors before you start, like Audacity is a good one. Adobe has Adobe Audition. And then I have started using Hindenburg Journalist, which I really love. They all have free trials. So I would say maybe try their free trials and see which one you like the best before you decide on one. That way you don't have to switch in the middle. Because I was using Audacity and now I'm switching to Hindenburg. So it's a little bit of a learning curve. And I would say find a podcaster to mentor you. I think that would be a great idea, like a podcaster who has done it for a while, not someone who's just done it for two or three months, but someone someone who's done it for at least six to nine months and find somebody to mentor you that would help you out. And that's great. And another thing I would also suggest is definitely check out Dave Jackson's. Can I say this on your? Oh, of course, please. Yes, we love Dave Jackson. (laughs) Okay. Um, 
It's definitely check out Dave Jackson's Saturday morning um, Ask the Podcast Coach because you can get on there and him and Jim Collison do a live show. And I, I learned so much about podcasting from getting on there Saturday morning. So it's Saturday morning, 1030 Eastern time. It's 830 Mountain time because I'm a mountain. And I learned so much by just getting on there and asking <laughs> questions. Like everybody knows me because I ask so many questions on that show. So, And it's a great way to get to know other podcasters. And I think that's one of the original way I had met, maybe had met you. And then we met up in real life at PodFest or Podcast Movement. I think, yeah, it was Podcast Movement that we, uh, through the Podcast Editors Club, I should say. Shout out to, yep. Uh, yep. to that entire crew of good folks. Yeah, and definitely. Uh, which, by the way, if, you, if you're looking for an editor, that's a good place to start, by the way. Yeah. And if you want to skip editing altogether and pay for it, I would highly recommend that. Because <laughs> I really love podcasting. I love being creative. I love interviewing people. That's my favorite thing. And I really enjoy like putting everything together and uploading it in Libsyn and publishing it and listening to it and be like, oh my gosh, I actually made that. It's just, it's really cool and I love it. But um, editing is definitely the most challenging part for me personally, because I don't have an audio background. So. Well, and also there's something to be said, by the way, when you're first getting started, folks, like it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to remove every single um, uh, you know, and like from your podcast. You don't have to be completely flawless the first time you're doing it. You know, sort of to what Aliquity was saying is like, just get out there and start doing it. Start talking. Find out whether or not you're even comfortable behind the microphone. Find out whether or not you enjoy doing it. And it's okay to have, you know, blemishes in the beginning. People want to see improvement. You know, they want to celebrate you as your podcast gets better. So as you go from being really raw to learning how to edit better or getting help to improve it better or adding new music or upgrading your equipment, all these different things, that's great. The audience is going to be so happy, especially the ones that are with you from day one who fell in love with you for your content and for your cause. If you were fighting for the right cause, if you were doing this to help your listeners, then, you know, they'll overlook certain things, especially in the beginning, if you're going to get out a great message. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things I know people are looking for is like, I'm looking for a mic to make my voice sound better. A lot of people just don't like the sound of their voice. And I totally get it. I'm used to it because I taught for so long. And we used to have a microphone. So I would hear my voice eight hours a day. So I'm used to it. It doesn't bother me at all. But I, I understand that it does bother a lot of people. Don't worry about it. Just like get past that fear and just do it. It's like the Nike thing. Just do it. Just get out there. Put your stuff out there. Don't have to buy expensive mics and expensive stuff. I've got an ATR 2100 and I do this in my office, which has a carpet and it's been fine. It's worked out really great. And I really love and enjoy podcasting. It's my thing. I spent spent quite a bit of money on it, especially going to conferences, but I have created such an amazing network of podcasting friends, including you, Matthew, and I would not give that up for the world. Yeah. I mean, this is such a great community of people who are doing this and people who are doing this for all sorts of different reasons, right? There's like really no two podcasts are exactly the same. I mean, there are a lot that are pretty similar, but especially when I'm talking to folks on the cause-based podcasting world, there are just so many different dynamic and important causes that are out there that could be podcasted about. As I think you highlight really well, the smaller the niche, the more specific you can get in the value you're providing and who you want to help, I think the more success that you can have. And right, like there's probably, I, I don't know for certain, you probably know better, but there's probably a lot of podcasts that deal with celiacs and, you know, diets that are gluten-free and, you know, people who are doing it for medical reasons, people who are doing it, as you said, for diet and weight loss reasons. But I don't think I've ever heard of anybody else who's doing how to travel for gluten-free. And it's so specific, but it helps so many people. And, you know, that's what you can do if you know exactly who your audience is and how hyper-specific you want to target them. 
Yeah, thank you. I know I we, there's actually about seven of us who do gluten-free, but I am the only person who does traveling gluten-free. And yeah, I love my niche. I've had a couple booths at different consumer-facing expos, free expos, and people have come up because they have seen travel like in my name. And so a lot of people want to know how to travel better, like what to do. And people were asking me, hey, what about London? And I just went to London this summer, so I'm going to be doing a podcast on gluten-free London. And I got the best deep-fried gluten-free onion rings in London. And oh my gosh, I ate way too much gluten-free onion rings. I ate them, t- <laughs> I ate them two nights in a row. And I rarely eat fried foods anyway, because I'm celiac and it's hard to find. But I'm like, I'm just going to eat gluten-free onion rings for like two nights in a row. And yeah, but it was good. <laughs> that is fantastic. And like everybody else here on the podcast, we want to support a cause that's important to you. You are going to, uh, you would like us to raise awareness for the Celiac Disease Foundation, found at celiac.org. We will have a link directly to them. So folks who want to support and help others who are battling celiac disease, you can make a donation there. And for everybody else who is, you know, really worried about celiacs, and it's uber important for them to have a gluten-free lifestyle Again, whether it's medically, whether it's by choice, whether it's for your diet, whatever that might be, you love to travel, but you have to be gluten-free. Can't stress this enough. Illiquities, Travel Gluten-Free Podcast. You can learn more at TravelGlutenFreePodcast.com. Illiquity, it took way too long to get you on the show, but I'm so glad we had you here on CauseBots today. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I appreciate you getting the message out about uh, celiac disease and traveling gluten-free. Thanks a lot. Well, no, it really was our pleasure. And just so everybody knows, again, if you go to travelglutenfreepodcast.com, you can follow Illiquity. She's got Twitter and Tumblr and Pinterest and Facebook and all these different things. And if you ever have a question specifically that maybe hasn't been tackled or you're not sure if it's been tackled and you want some help, like reach out. What's the best way that they can do that for them to contact you and ask their questions? So if you would like to contact me, um, the best way would be either through Instagram by messaging me so you can follow and message me, or you can also contact me through my website, travelglutenfreepodcast.com and click on the contact form. Illiquity, once again, thank you so much for joining us here on Cause Pods. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support their favorite efforts. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And remember, if you have a cause pod and want to join me for an interview, please check out causepods.org and fill out the interview request form. If approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you're doing with the cause pod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on Cause Pods. Cause Pods.